All right. <laughs> Welcome to the inaugural episode of Must Love Raymond, a, a recap and reflection podcast uh, about everybody loves Ma- Raymond. Yeah, I'm going to do that one over. Everybody loves Raymond, the beloved. Now, was it CBS sitcom? I think it was CBS. It was right? CBS. I am uh, Matt. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin. Uh, yeah, Kevin, no last names. We don't have those here. Neither does no. Raymond. Yeah, it's just, it's like uh, the Mario movie. Mario, Mario, Luigi, Mario, Raymond, yeah, Raymond, Kevin, Ra- Raymond. Robert Raymond. Robert Raymond. All right, all of this is getting cut. But welcome. <laughs> we're here. And uh, we're here to talk about um, Everybody Loves Raymond. So I figured before, you know, everybody has a sense of it. But here's what TBS, very funny, uh, has to say on their official about page. Everybody Loves Raymond is a show about Ray Barone, a successful sports writer and family man who deals with a brother and parents who happen to live across the street. Mom Marie loves to meddle in his life. Older brother Robert sometimes resents Raymond's success, and Dad Frank just makes comments and raids the fridge. Nevertheless, Ray manages to keep a bright outlook and a sense of humor, leaving the hard issues to his more practical wife, Deborah. That's what they have to say. All you need to know. It's a it's a it's a fairly good summary. It makes it sounds as bad as it is. I mean, much. I feel like it's weird that they leave Deborah to the. She's literally the last word of the paragraph. Well, Deborah is like an afterthought in Raymond's life. <laughs> I feel like that's a source of a lot of the conflicts on the show. It, I mean, their relationship is is strange, as I think we'll get into as we talk about the first two episodes. But maybe we should say a little bit about what we intend to do here on the show. Yeah, um, so we're going to go through episode by episode, giving short summaries. Right, it's and, a recap at, at its heart. Yeah, and you know, just giving generalized thoughts on it, commenting on what particularly sticks out to us, what we think warrants further discussion. And yeah, it's kind of just to evaluate how Raymond actually is in uh, relation to how I remember it, which is not very favorably, and I don't expect it to improve. But that I mean, much. but he is like one of like the the pillars of that sitcom era. Like, you know, Ever- Raymond, Kevin James on King of Queens, what Mark that? Addy, yeah, oh, that whole yeah, still standing that early two thousands. Maybe yeah. it was the late nineties. So when when is the pilot from? Uh, I think it's nineteen ninety five. Is that early? Yeah. Oh, man, I was imagining it was like 99, 2000, but yeah, I guess that's that's too yeah, late. But Raymond was like a juggernaut. It, it anchored that um, Thursday night lineup with King of Queens and Yes, Dear. Well, we're going to have to get into how much of a role Philip Rosenthal had in all that, because his name is on the end of a bunch of those shows, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think he's like the mastermind. The architect. He's like the Mick Fury. Of- <laughs> Bringing <laughs> together these sitcom dads. <laughs> a little 90s pager. Yeah, all the schlubby husbands performing stand-up comedy. Do you think Rosenthal himself was a schlubby husband, or did I, he need to, like, have stars in his stable who were, like, lesser men than himself? And he's more of, like, a Roger Sterling from Mad Men type? <laughs> I don't know. He, he's quite the enigma. I can't make heads or tails. I, I think he was on um, the latest episode, of, or latest season, I should say, of Curb, right? Really? Yeah, I think... Um, which guy is he? It's Larry has some excuse to avoid um, 
Oh no, it's when he, oh, he's wearing the Trump the hat. The MAGA hat. The MAGA yeah. hat. That's him. I I think so. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look and verify that one. The uh, but if so, then yeah, not what I expected. I pictured a uh, either somebody exactly like you know Ray Barone or uh, Kevin Doug Heffernan or <laughs> you know a suit like a sharp cut suit exec type. Yeah, no, I I don't know. Philip Rosenthal is quite the uh, impresario though. Well, what we so what we intend to do, right, is you know we'll it'll just be the two of us, the co-hosts for the the inaugural episode, and then we'll uh, bring in some third party commentary and and try to handle two or three episodes at a time. Um, because I mean, how much is there to say? <laughs> There's a lot. It's, it depends on how deep you want to get into this. There's a lot of psychological issues involved. In well, I got. I got two questions I gotta we gotta address before before we get into the the pilot itself. The first right, one is the first one is is present day technical. How did you watch the show? It's weirdly like not streaming anywhere. Yeah, I on Daily Motion they uploaded the whole thing somebody uh, for free. Well, now so I that's... feel like an asshole because I paid fifteen dollars for the first season. <laughs> well, no, you're not. You're you're helping out Ray, our um, our hero. So yeah, I mean, I had to pay, I thought I had to pay for it on Amazon on like a Prime Video season at a time thing. Ah, Daily Motion. Oh, we're gonna have to cut that when what Ray hears about it. <laughs> Ray will Ray will be upset. <laughs> but Ray, but uh, yeah, it's not an easy show to find. I feel like we're cornering the market because nobody is binge watching Raymond from Netflix yet, or like on Hulu or whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't hold like the same status as like Seinfeld or Frasier or Friends or something where. People seem to want to do these retrospectives. Well, those shows are like, generally regarded as very good. I feel like <laughs> well, one of the major differences. <laughs> Ray, it was, it was like a titan, though. Well, won, I, yeah, and that's the second question. Stuff? Like, what is, your, what is your history with the show? What are you going into this? Like, what are your you know prejudices and uh, preconceptions? Well, so I was, we were probably both like the prime age, probably like – nine ten years old when raymond was really at its zenith that's the target market the nine-year-olds well, the well I, I was i was still young enough where i i didn't know what, like bad comedy was yet and so yeah, well, like, that, that's where i'm getting that i have a yeah some thoughts about that yeah so it was like in my house you know that thursday night lineup was big we'd watch king of queens and yes dear wasn't as big but raymond's was big the family would gather rounds and we'd all laugh and it was you treated it like an event, like Raymond's on. Let's all watch it. Yeah, it was kind of like an event. And I remember thinking it was like really funny when I was about ten or eleven years old. See, I remember more like going in and out of the room. Like it was definitely something my parents were watching, and I just absorbed a lot of it, which was really similar to like um, like Frasier and Friends. Like Seinfeld, I remember watching, yeah. but Frasier and Friends, I just know. You know, if I go back and watch. I know, seem to know the whole shows. I just like was in the room while they were on, and I feel like similarly about Ray. So I wasn't like as like, oh, that's the one where he does this. That's the one where he does that. But uh, yeah, even like, so, I, I can't remember like many particular episodes, which probably doesn't speak well to you know its quality. I, I can remember though my turning point when I started to hate the show and think it was terrible. <laughs> How far I, off is that in our trajectory? Oh, it's it has to be one of the last seasons because I think it was probably when I was like so 2003 or so, and um, it was an episode where Robert, 
is uh, dating this new girl and he brings her to dinner at Ray and Deborah's house. And um, this is before but, Amy. No. So I think I think Robert had broken up with Amy at this point. I didn't. I don't see. I don't even remember that happening. Yeah. There's a whole will they won't they thing. That's not interesting at all. But anyway, um, well, I mean, it is, you know, whose perspective we're watching this from is a key question. That's so true. The I line guess everybody loves Raymond is spoken in the pilot. <laughs> that's true. But um, anyway, though, this, so this episode, when everybody's away from the table and just Robert's date is still there, uh, Ray walks back in the room and he catches her eating a fly. And I'm not even kidding. There's like a what? minute and a half shot of just Ray's surprised face and a laugh track. So there was like no jokes. It was just so like lazy. It was just like terrible. That's, well, there's no there's like no jokes in the first the two episodes. So I have one, you know, the way that we're going to break this down is like, you know, kind of have alternating leads by episode. But I'm, on my episode, when, we, when we're talking about episode two in a, in a minute or so, um, there's one scene that I, I immediately wrote down. Is this the worst scene so far? And then realize it's maybe also like what was probably regarded as the best scene so far at that point in the show's real broadcast history. I'm curious. Um, And then we're going to, but that's the question, right? Is this show any good? (laughs) And if so, what do you have to do to your head to, to be, you know, to frame it that way? I don't know. Like it's, it's from a point in time that like quality seems not to have existed. It's like on a floating, uh, you know, unanchored in the middle of the ocean somewhere. Yeah, it's <laughs> it really is quite baffling because it's contemporary with like Seinfeld and Friends. Well, Friends stinks too, but like Frasier, it there's it has no qualities that make it any good. It's not funny or witty. There's no subversion of the form like there is on Seinfeld. The characters are completely reprehensible and unlikable. I find like I don't know how you could care about what happens. So this is one of the so this is one of the, like the deep goals of the podcast is like to really interrogate why this show was so popular for so long and is such a touchstone if it is in fact terrible um, and not in like but not in a way that's like unwatchable and broken it's like in a way like it's a really competent show the first two episodes reminded me like as a you know eight p.m network sitcom like it it knew what it was doing right off the bat yeah all right you yeah no the first episode or you want it should we well, uh, no, just one last thing i wanted to bring up is so at the end of every episode when it says uh based on the comedy of ray romano that's, yeah that's all over i have that in giant capital letters over here yeah oh, so you want to just talk about it when we um get to the episodes let's end with that let's end with that here now well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to cut all this first. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, like, I don't no, think... But, so, like, yeah, but, but that phrasing is insane. The yeah, comedy of... so, But that's my question. Did, was he a stand-up comic at any point? I think he, wa- he was before the show. So is it based on the stand-up comedy of Ray Romano, which would be a way of signifying, like, think of us like a Seinfeld, right? That's exactly what I was trying to get at. Like, like I don't think Ray was, like, this powerhouse stand-up comedian the same way jerry was and it's no, not they never like, show you any evidence that he's a comic and, and it's, yeah and it's, and it's not like explicitly based on his material or at least i hope not 
I think it is, though. I think that's what the, that tag means, based on the stand-up comedy of Ray Romano. Like, bits from his set were turned into plots on the show. That's how I took it. Maybe it just means that his existence is a joke. I mean, it's he probably so- makes a lot of the same noises on stage, I would oh. guess. <laughs> no! Like, you, don't have, you don't have to wait long for one of those. I timed it. It's 28 seconds into the pilot. <laughs> But imagine seeing his stand-up comedy in, like, the 90s. Ah, I have two swans. I feel like that joke, though, it's like we're at a weird point where people have really respected the last couple things he's acted in, and he's, like, turned into, like, a sort of, like, dependable supporting actor in a, in a weird way. Yeah, like, he was he was serviceable, at least in The Irishman. And he's good I, in um, he's good in the big sick as uh, the main character's like father-in-law. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he was like just like this young struggling comic. I mean, if you were offered a sitcom deal, I guess why wouldn't you take it? You know. And, and like I think as we'll, we'll mention, like he gets a, like the the humor itself gets more caustic from the pilot to the second episode. Uh, I just noticed like Ray is Ray is worse right off the like as soon as it gets going. <laughs> that's true he's basically I, I have this i have this suspicion that that ray romano is no, is more knowing than the show would uh suggest yeah and i also think maybe if if he's like this young comic who's not experienced in like television he might just be you know really amenable to the studio and producers demands so it might not yeah. be like you know well, phil rosenthal when he cracks the whip <laughs> Phil Rosenthal. They want oafs. They want dummies. He's like uh, Phil Spector. Give the people what they want. <laughs> wall of oafs. Phil Rosenthal's patented wall of oafs. <laughs> <laughs> His broadcast patented broadcast tick. Yeah, All right. Ray's so the uh, the pilot's Spector. your the pilot's your business. So you Hi. give me uh, you start us off here. Is it does it have a name or is it called pilot? It is called pilots. And so for well, so for people who may not be familiar with that terminology who are listening, the first episode of a sitcom is always called pilots, and uh, that's from the tradition of when you're presenting uh, your show, uh, you have to dress as like a pilot. It could be oh, like you get a, the hat, you get the you get the clip on bag. <laughs> yeah, you can you either be like a commercial airline pilot or like a World War II ace. But anyway, it's a very embarrassing. <laughs> you get your <laughs> it's a very embarrassing process um, meant to ensure dominance of the network. Uh, but anyway, That's so. True. Verify. Yes. Uh, so anyway, so we have the pilot. And so it opens. So Deborah is on the phone with one of her friends and she is uh, feeding the three children. So there's the daughter, Allie, and then the twins who are called um, Michael and Gregory. In the pilot, which changes. It's Matthew and Gregory, actually. Math- yes. Uh, yes. Uh, so anyway, so she's on the phone and she's complaining because Ray is late coming back uh, from the airport. See, Ray works as a sports writer. Uh, but anyway, she specifically notes that he is 37 minutes late, which is not that late if they live on Long Island and it's the airport. But anyway, so he's late and she obviously has her hands full with these kids. And it seems... Uh, Quite hellish, honestly. Yeah, then, I, mean, I thought they, they go a little hard and fast right off the bat. Like, that, that first scene is, like, too noisy. They're trying to slip jokes in. It's very strangely staged. It is. It's It 
plays more like a drama than than a comedy or anything. Yeah, it reminded me of, like, community theater. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. But, um... Nassau so Community comes... College <laughs> theater production. <laughs> the Nassau players. Yeah, it's probably real. Shouldn't offend anyone. That's true. The, that, uh, the Nassau players put on a uh, great version of Yes, Dear. So, um... <laughs> Anyway, so Ray comes in, he uh, he comes to help out with the kids, and he's pretty inept, and there aren't many jokes. The big joke that ends it is that um, he gives them cookies, and the scene cuts away. Yeah, I, I have in my notes a literal cookie jar, because that struck me as like a, a writer's thing. Nobody has a cookie jar that's filled with actual cookies, right? I mean, that's insane. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I guess it doesn't I seem sanitary. Number one, it's probably filled with crumbs. That's true. You have to stick your hands in it too, and if you... it's not sealed, yeah, so they're all stale. Yeah, you gotta have multiple people in the house and people with their sweaty hands. But that just seems so so pat, you know? Like, oh, I'll go to the counter and get the actual cookie jar filled with cookies and distribute them. Yeah, they're like they probably had like a prop master who made it or something. But that's why I was like, this scene is like. It's almost like it's too big for its britches. Like, this is like what an established sitcom that's got the choreography, the timing, like the whole works of it down gets, you know, in an episode. Not like the opening scene of your pilot when, like, everyone's kind of half feeling out their blocking and the scene. And, like, it felt very amateurish. Yeah, and it was it was such a banal sort of scenario, too. There was nothing to draw you in at all. And this is not Unless- a live studio audience, right? This is a laugh track. Uh, that's a good question. I I imagine it's a laugh track. Well, the laugh track loved it. <laughs> the laugh track loves everything, and they're very artful with the laugh track too. I like when they have like the scattered giggle when it's yeah. not quite a full laugh yet. Somebody laughs a bit early. Yeah, they're the in anticipation. Like you can tell Deborah's going to be mad, but they haven't cut to her face yet. But right, but like you said, this is like an inconsequential scene. It's like check out how crazy my life is. But then they follow that up with like. Doing the same thing a different way. Are you talking about the uh, intro with Ray building the uh, plastic fort? Yeah. Thing? Just, yeah, help me understand that. Yeah, I don't know, because they've they already introduced the elements of him uh, having children and that he's a family man. And his... you know, Do you know another sitcom that has the, the lead actor talk to the camera about the fact that this is going to be a sitcom about his life. Like, like, Hey, welcome to my show. Does that, does that somebody else do that? Was that established as a thing? I, I none that I know of, but I mean, I, I could see a sitcom from like the sixties or the seventies or something like that. Um, being that way, but none that I've ever regularly viewed. And it also plays into that idea of it being his stand up comedy. And he's, like Ray is the stand-up comedian, and this is a project that he is uh, presenting to us. Right? Yeah, but then like you'd put him on stage, and you'd have him work like the set into it. But they had him in the backyard building like a playhouse, and like some really frenetic camera work, uh, getting <laughs> yeah. up in his face, all different angles, upside down. It was like very. Uh, yeah, it was like Battlefields of Earth. It was like, <laughs> so that's the reference. Yeah, I felt it was like. Uh, like a Nickelodeon like action game show, like you know, Global Gas or Global Guts or something. Maybe they were just on like maybe they were all just like doing a lot of cocaine. Well does like right. doesn't like Mike Metzger make his way into the CBS lineup eventually? <laughs> he might, I don't know. Maybe he I know there was Mike O'Malley. 
That's who I'm thinking of. Who's Mike Metzger? Is that somebody? Uh, there's Kurt Metzger. He's a comedian. Yeah, that's, I'm thinking of Mike O'Malley. Yeah, the global guts himself. All right. Into the episode itself. Yeah, so um, so we're done with the intro. And so Ray and Deborah are talking, and it comes up that Deborah's birthday is coming up. And it is revealed that Ray doesn't seem to know when Deborah's birthday is or how old she is. Well, yeah, it, it goes from, like, I might be off with the date this week to, like, I have no idea how old you are as a, a human on Earth. Yeah, so we've established that Ray is, you know, a neglectful idiot, an oaf, one of uh, many bricks in the wall of oafs that Philip Rosenthal is known for. <laughs> in that wall of oafs. <laughs> yeah, and a couple other interesting revelations in that conversation. It took three proposals for Deborah to agree to marry him. Yeah, what was this guy doing proposing three out of four years for, like, a significant chunk of his life? But, I mean, yeah, okay, so that joke is in, like, first you said no, you know, cue the laugh track. Yeah, which, it's it's a strange joke. I just kind of felt bad for him. Yeah, but I, I also, like, I I have gripes with the whole forgetting birthdays as a, as a plot in these things. They're very it, easy to remember. And it is one of the most cliché you know, sitcom tropes for the, you know, doofy, hapless husband to forget an anniversary or a birthday. So they're establishing right away that there's no, there's not much creativity to this show whatsoever. Yeah, he's the, uh, he's the weaker partner in the marriage. That's just all that this is really establishes. Yeah, so it's, you know, very much by the numbers. Uh, so, but Deborah says, so she doesn't want Ray's family over for her birthday. Right. Uh, which is understandable because we're gonna we're gonna get a taste of what Ray's family is like. Yeah. So, so now we do the now we do the introductions, right? Yeah. So, uh, but Marie gets uh, first, and she gets an applause track what? right away. I have that. She gets like an ovation. They, they yeah. Applause. Yeah. I mean, it's not people, but there's applause when she comes through the door. Yeah, it's like uh, like Kramer on Seinfeld when he uh, comes in. Well, that's the I, thing. She's she's listed in the credits as like a featured actor. Is Doris Roberts was she well known from something else? Yeah, I'd imagine she has to be some kind of character actor. She was on sitcoms before because it wouldn't make any sense otherwise to have applause. Yeah, her and her and Peter Boyle got like featured credits, so I figured they they must have been banking on them in some way. Yeah, like I I know Peter Boyle is well known from like Young Frankenstein and yeah, some Taxi Driver and stuff. But anyway, yeah, so Marie uh, comes in first, busts in unannounced, as we'll see is her uh, want. Yeah, she and, seems to only be costumed in floral prints as well. That seems uh, a rule on set. Yeah, the open um, floral shirt and then like a like black shirt underneath it sort of thing. Yeah. It's she a, has her... It's distinctive. It is. Marie's uh, she's a real fashion icon, you could say. So, uh, yeah, she, she comes breaking in. She comes breaking in, and, and right away she's with the backhanded insults uh, to Deborah Because she comes in, what does she have? Um, something to get the odor out of their fridge? Baking soda, yeah. Baking soda, yeah. And uh, so the implication... And they, she lives across the street, right? That's, that's really all this is about. His family's overbearing, and they live across the street. Right, exactly. And, you know, Marie is not exactly the most pleasant person to Deborah very overprotective of Raymond. So yeah. anyway, she 
she leaves, we basically get what we need out of uh, Marie. So then Ray and Deborah abscond to their bedroom, and uh, they go to listen to their messages. And yeah, this is, this one is of, a tech. I didn't get this to be honest. I didn't either. Somehow Frank Ray's father listens to their messages and their answering machine. I think it's because like old answering machines, you could you could call them to listen to the messages. Yeah. Like you called the machine and it would play you your messages. And then I think he listened to all of them and then recorded his own message over them after. Yes. So it's just, you know, another example of how intrusive Ray's family is. Uh, And also how central answering machines were to 90s sitcom plots. They're always in there. Oh, yeah. There was a there was the Seinfeld episode when they uh, change out the tape. Yeah. yeah, Another like easy trope that they've thrown in for the pilot already. So they they just they clearly don't care. No, they're shooting like, you know, throwing anything at the wall. It's you got, you got forgotten birthday, you have like this answering machine thing, you've got the like, you know, give the kids a cookie, like mousetrap Rube Goldberg kitchen thing. It it's like they're they've got everything out there. Yeah, they've they've set the tone. And um so they're talking, and then so Robert doesn't get introduced yet, but he gets talked about now. Robert and for the is, people, I mean, we do we have to assume right that people listening to this would not have watched this show? Yeah, I guess that's I've, I haven't been good at um, expounding on the different characters. So yeah, as uh, the so, color commentary here, it's my job. I think Robert yes. is Raymond's brother. Yes, Brad Garrett, who uh, went it? on went on. No, well, I mean, what did, <laughs> what did he do? He was in stuff, right? He was in. Uh, I don't know. Wasn't he in something where he was... Oh, he's in that show that's on now, right? Like, Single Parents or something? So Yeah, he he was in... Um, Wasn't he in, like, a Mountain Dew commercial? In the Dew Bunker? <laughs> yeah, they they keeping the Robert down in the Dew Bunker? <laughs> uh, that's my boy. He's a character actor. He's has, you know, he's still living on that Raymond money, for all I can tell. Yeah, I think so. Right, so yeah, yeah he Rob- comes in. Well, they so they only talk about him at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's quite eccentric, as uh, we'll reveal later on. Uh, they mention his habit of of touching yeah, yeah. Uh, food to his chin before he eats it. Which right. Is just one of many quirks. So they're and, just describing someone who has obsessive compulsive disorder and deriding him openly. <laughs> yeah, I have in my notes. Uh, Robert evidently has an undiagnosed mental illness. That they seem to find amusing. Yeah, this in the pilot they're, they're acting like he's like you know the same way that like English monarchs would say like oh he's a bit simple like he's, <laughs> he that's our, our childish one. Yeah, it it is it's, it's glossed over quite a bit, and uh, we should mention well Robert uh, lives with Ray's parents across the street, and he's a cop. Although I don't I don't have in my notes that they revealed it. In that conversation. Well, uh, they they do when um, Deborah Ray's wife um, says like, "How did he get to be police sergeant?" Yes, yes, you're right. Like, you know, because they didn't make him count and they didn't feed him. Um, all good. Um, <laughs> and then the scene is like about how Ray can't take care of his own kids, right? That's like part of the. <laughs> well, yeah, that's so that sort of comes later. So, um, you know, he offers to take care of the kids and let Deborah go out. Uh, to the movies, I think. And um, so she goes out, and he's watching the kids. There's a little stupid comedic bit with them. And uh, his friend Leo comes over. Yeah, 
I wanted to get your thoughts on this guy. He's just like, you know, typical sitcom schlub. But you know, I think wants- it's, it's such a commonality, though, with these kind of sitcoms that, like, you have to introduce a few friends in, like, the pilot of the first few episodes, and then you have to promptly overwrite them with other friends. Every every sitcom does this for yeah, some King reason. Yeah, Queens like, had that with – um, yeah, uh, yeah, the, that Italian guy. They always have, like, a friend or two who does not make it past a few episodes. Yeah, so I, I don't know if uh, the guy who played Leo was, like, one of Ray's real friends in the studio just saw he was a bad actor. But this guy's really supposed to be, like, a 35-year-old man. He's, like, this desperate to go get pizza at, like, <laughs> 7.30 p.m. And yeah, he like, comes over to his friend's house and forces him to abandon his kids to go get pizza. <laughs> it is. It's like a 12-year-old's problem. Yeah, and then they literally lean into that with the whole Mrs. B thing when uh, Marie comes back. I had Mrs. B in parentheses, yes. You rock, Mrs. B, yeah. Ray's friend Leo says to Ray's mom. <laughs> it's, it's like in a Matt Christopher book. Yeah, it's like a Sunny D commercial, which, yes, I think that's what they were going for, but, like, I don't understand the basis of their friendship. Like, they don't seem to like each other. It's like... Yeah, it is quite antagonistic. Why did he come cause... over? Because, yeah, he just bullies him into getting pizza. He just complains. Yeah. They, I mean, Leo's gone uh, after an episode, right? I can't imagine he'd come back. And this is, uh, this is when we have Marie's big scene. Yeah, so, yeah, Marie showed up unannounced, and so she offered to take care of the kids. And so Ray goes after pizza with Leo. And so when they come back, um, uh, Frank and Robert have come. But it's uh, revealed Marie just goes through Ray and Deborah's stuff all the time. It's exactly what Marie uh, Deborah didn't want to happen, right? The whole family is there. And oh yes. Around, they're rooting around. They're waking up the kids. They're terrible. They are, and um, the only this scene has the only clever thing in it that I noticed in the entire pilot. So Robert's feeding the the two twins, the babies. Yeah. And when he's feeding them, he touches the food to their chins. Before he puts it, he in does mouth. his own OCD tick on the kids when he feeds them. Yeah, it was, yeah. Nice. It was a nice that, touch. I thought that, when you said the only clever thing you were going to be that um, Marie says Victoria's Secrets plural when uh, she's digging through the, the mail. <laughs> yeah, digging through the other mail. Marie is committing a federal crime. You're not supposed to open other people's mail. Yeah, her like in this sort of like. It's not just overbearing. It is borderline criminal what she's up to in their house. Yeah, she's she's there without uh, Deborah's knowledge, going through her things. And yeah, it's uh, quite disgusting. Right, so, I mean, it's, a, um, it's a shameful scene for Robert. He's it's all about shame. Yeah, so uh, Ray, there's a trophy that Ray has for sports writing. He works as a sports writer for Newsweek, and Robert has like this villainous monologue about how he's resentful. Of Ray's success, how everybody loves him. He uh, says he says the name of the show. Everybody loves Raymond, the title of the show. And uh, clearly, Robert is self-loathing, and they really set him up to be a serial killer throughout most of the show. He's and dark. It's some it's dark shit with Robert. Yeah, it is quite dark. Ray's father is with the kids too. He has some joke about smelling their heads. Yeah. The youth. I have in my notes here that this is a you know unintentionally eroticized moment in the pilot <laughs> where he seems to be taking like fully sexual glee and sniffing his grandkids heads cuz they're not infants you know that like oh newborn baby smell like they're like 3 
Frank's, yes, Frank's like uh, Marquis de Sade taking pleasure. They usually play him that way because then the next time you hear about him, he's got his pants half off and he's got to be <laughs> buckled up to go home. Yeah, and then there's another thing later on too where he talks about uh, the possible homosexuality of one of them. Yeah, that's uh, that didn't age well, that joke. I, I expect most things on this show will not age well. I think it'll only get better, yeah. They'll, they'll age worse and worse as you go into the future. Yeah, if uh, Frank's going to start denying the Holocaust. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> All right, so give me the second act of the episode. What? How do they How do they resolve this? Because Deborah oh, yeah. walks in, right, and finds... Well, no, uh, so so Ray, Ray panicked because, as you mentioned, Deborah was complaining about how Ray's family is so intrusive or whatever. So he kicks his family out, and he cleans the house for when she comes back. And so Deborah comes back. He's cleaned the house. She's very happy. And uh, ostensibly, she's going to offer him sex as a reward, which is another example of Ray's pathetic resistance that um, he's but so it was, a, it was pro forma, right? It was like, if you want to be on primetime TV, you have to make a joke about how, you know, you live in like a sexless shell of a marriage. It's like the, the joke everybody has to make. Yeah, that, you know, the wife never wants to give it up, and hence why he's so excited for it. But then, uh, but is Ray's... He, is he, I, I can't buy into his seeming excitement. <laughs> yes. Well, he doesn't the really line he says is, I think I'm having sex. And yeah. then, moments later, good old sex. <laughs> Which I, <laughs> I thought I marked as my favorite line in the episode, kind of unironically. <laughs> good old sex. <laughs> he doesn't... He doesn't sell it very well. I think they were just leaning on the fact that they could say sex on a network sitcom, and that would uh, substitute for any form of, you know, having to be funny or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, the laugh track goes wild when he says it. Oh, uh, they they love that sex mentioning it. And but so, anyways, yeah, yeah. So Deborah Deborah finds out though that Ray's family was there because she smells Frank's deodorants on the twins' heads. Which, old Spice. Old Spice, yes, correct. Which, I guess, I should be happy because I've been complaining about how everything is so cliche and formulaic. This is a very bizarre plot point. Yeah, that's what that's the giveaway. It's not like some misplaced item or whatever. It's literally like the scent of your father on my children's heads. <laughs> like, Yeah, and if, and if he was feeding the kids and they had like food and crap all over their faces, you would think he'd clean them up. Well, it's like they can't they can't have too much of a good thing though because they they sting this joke with a ref, you know, with a Fruit Loop that Robert left behind. So they do they do do the cliche one. They just slip in this bizarre, gross one first. Yeah, and for his deodorant to rub off on the kids, like what was he what was he doing with them? I mean, they literally the line right is he's sucking the youth out of them. <laughs> That's why I thought it was like an overly eroticized moment where he's, you know in a fit of pleasure <laughs> embracing his two young grandchildren. <laughs> so this is, this is loaded with all sorts of uh, very disturbing implications. Yeah. Now, if we don't speed this one up, we're not going to get to the end of this. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I know. Uh, I'm getting too specific. So, um, Deborah finds out she yells at Raymond for getting pizza and, uh, she and it was very good. What's that? Nothing. It wasn't very good, apparently, according to Ray. I couldn't oh, tell yeah, if that was yeah. a joke or not. That was his uh, pathetic little rejoinder. And so um, she gets pissed when he won't um, disinvite 
his parents to her birthday, and she goes to sleep on the couch, which seems like a little bit of an overreaction. The whole, this is where I take issue. The, the, apparently, even by Ray's, like, you know, mushy calculations of Deborah's age, she's been in the family for, like, eight or nine years. She doesn't know better than to expect that they're not going to celebrate her birthday together or something. It just seemed like this is maybe, like, the, you know, new newlyweds first year on your own, not something that you do when you have three kids and you live across the street from your in-laws. Yeah, I guess they haven't figured it out yet. She seems highly unreasonable to me in this episode, I have to say. What would you say, Ray or Deborah does? No, Deborah. I think you're supposed to sympathize with Deborah and think she's, you know, wants normality and Ray's family's crazy. But I'm like, Deborah has unreasonable expectations. No, she she absolutely does. And she won't. And and that's cause for her not to sleep in the same bed as him. Yeah, I'll go down because you won't disinvite your parents from a birthday party, so I'll sleep on the couch. Yeah, that's that's like a huge thing to ask of somebody. I don't want. And then the way I mean, the scene in which it and when she does it struck me as incredibly unrealistic and like just not based in any sort. Because because it's so it's so weird. Nobody would actually do that. Would disinvite their parents to their face with their wife present. To the birthday happening the next day, like yeah, and it's it's and I don't get the impression she was like planning a like party with her friends or something like that. No, it's this stay to ourselves thing that they don't even seem to have any plans or ideas for, and they don't even seem to like each other. And they're putting the kids to bed at like two p.m. Yeah, this this I mean well, this is all this, this thing about like not even seeming to like each other. Okay, so like you know, give me give me your your quick and dirty like wrap up of the episode because I want to ask you about something here. Oh, sure. So Ray goes over to his parents uh, to try to get the nerve up to disinvite them per Deborah's request. Um, there's a thing where his parents are very confused and distressed by the Fruit of the Month club that Ray signed them up for. Yeah. That was supposed to be like played for big laps. So he it's does disinvite. The pairs, the pairs. But the anyway. pairs, the pairs, yes. So um, he does disinvite the parents with a lie he makes up about taking Deborah up to Bear Mountain, which is uh, pretty close to where we are. Yeah, that surprised Forever. me. Yeah, I got a little surprised. Well, it seems so then, like yeah, that they're going to have their day together, right? Seems like they're going to have their day, but then, of course, uh, Ray's family comes over anyway, despite the lie, because uh, he thought they were going to, the family thought they were going to be up at Bear Mountain, and uh, they were kind of... Right, so we'll come over to their, you know, empty house and root around a little more, and... Yeah. <laughs> Ostensibly, they're bringing presents, though. Yes, yes, for Deborah's birthday. And so it's a big blow-up, brouhaha. Frank calls one of the twins gay right. at this point. And then Ray does mount this uh, sort of pathetic confrontation of his family, but then Deborah commandeers it, and as you're talking about, she gives a very uh, forceful speech about how they, are, they interfere too much and how she wanted to be by herself, or not by herself, with Ray on her birthday. And um, I don't remember this because I watched this a little while ago. Maybe you can fill me in. I have on a note Robert's happy birthday. Yeah, he gives her like a like a real disdainful on the way out the door, like happy yes. birthday, Deb. Like uh, I guess because she ruined her own birthday by sending them home somehow. Um, <laughs> I guess I, you know, I, just... it's, it's, this scene, this scene of this like telling off and like resolution all at once like 
it's nonsense. It you can't read this legibly in any way. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculously outlandish. And so then um, the episode's about to end, but there's one last segment. Yeah, you get a nice little uh, stinger here. Yeah, Ray and Deborah they're putting uh, the kids to bed, the twins, and he worries that they're going to become ugly. Right. And that's that's the ends of the episode. That's their big stinger like you're saying yeah well then the girl they're they're making out and then the daughter comes in and interrupts them they're like oh well, we'll never make out and then the episode ends yes but so here's my question i will too i have two questions before we move into the second episode which i you know i promise mercifully i'll be a little shorter with yeah we're no, getting, I didn't the, realize how long getting the gears in motions creaky but number one uh raymond is portrayed so Thoroughly as a child and a borderline, you know, like someone who can't take care of himself, let alone children. Um, I feel like invalid is like a offensive term, though it is used in this show, so you might as well yeah. use it. But um, did you get a statutory rape vibe when Deborah was making out with him? Like, like it doesn't seem like they're on the same intellectual uh, and developmental level with one another. I don't think that they should be intimate with one another. Yeah, Ray is definitely kind of like a vassal or something of Deborah. He, it's it's not like an equal partnership at all. And no, have, I got I got weirded out by us. I was like, oh, you shouldn't do that to him. He's just a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they do have the throwaway thing with you know Ray's the breadwinner. He works as a sports writer. Yeah, who he's apparently very good. Yeah, he works for uh, Newsday, right? But then, so my second question. This, as a pilot, this was a, apparently a huge success, right? They're like, yes, we're going forward. What's your a sense of that now? Is that because, you know, mainstream tastes have always been shit? Or is it that, you know, different times, combination of both, you know, mass hypnosis and uh, delusions? Like, what's what what got this show off the ground? I don't know. I I would imagine there's probably some – there were probably some executives who – don't have like good taste in comedy they're more concerned about how things are going to play and be marketed and there's a lot of marketable elements to raymond's you know there's the three cute kids uh you have the two established character actors with um doris roberts and peter boyle yeah and you have the formula with the schlubby husband and smart wife who was so so you think this was just like it was a strong entry in that formula and they're like you know why wouldn't we follow up with something like this? Yeah, I yeah, I think they just kind of regarded it as like a safe bet, you know. That's right. And like I said too, it is like barring like the very beginning and the very end, it's like a pretty competent show for a pilot. Yeah, it's it hits its beats. It like knows, it seems to know how to get to the left track. Yeah, it's clearly done by experienced people, which again is part of what makes it so baffling because the comedy is just so it's it's so without any wit whatsoever yeah it's it's not like a it's not a wordy show you know it's a lot of like people who are like borderline have trouble speaking and artic- <laughs> like it's like bad like poorly articulated grunting and groaning and making noise yeah it's like it's like a lot of faces and uh body movements especially yeah, a lot of faces Especially Robert. The Robert, they they do a lot of physical comedy gags with. He's he is a he's a face at this point, like a wall with a face. 
Yeah, and he's like 6'10", so he's like this big, another one of these oafs. Yeah, classic Phil Rosenthal oaf. <laughs> Man loves his oafs. All right, uh, any last thoughts on the pilot before we switch gears? No, just that I um, regret this undertaking, knowing what Raymond yeah, has in store. It's like that era of TV where every season has like 40 episodes in it, too. So then episode two. It's called I Love You. That is the name of the episode. Mm. So you know you're in for some hot stuff. Um, it opens, cold opens, with a uh, Ray doing a phone interview with Tommy Lasorda. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but the layout of the house has changed considerably. It's a different house. Yeah. Um, and what I noticed is, like, the most glaring difference is that the little desk area where Ray's, like, you know, mini office was, was, like, <laughs> full wall-to-wall books and records, completely gone. Not a single book in the house anymore. Maybe yeah. that seemed a little too intellectual, alienated some viewers. The focus group said no books, maybe and books not, were removed. Maybe it's not believable for Raymond's Neanderthalic behavior. Well, he's a writer, though. I mean... He is, fun. but can you picture him, like, reading a book? No, it didn't make any sense when I thought back to it, but, like, I, I noted in the first, in the pilot, like, whoa, that's a lot of books over there. Um, and they were gone. The whole, but the whole house is different. And I think this is the house that stays, right? I remember the distinctive layout of, like, the staircase and stuff. Yeah, and I think I think they changed the wallpaper, though. Remember they had, like, that multi-stripes wallpaper? Yeah, it was, it was much worse. It's a worse-looking house that yes. uh, he ends up in. Which maybe, again, trying to appeal to more of the salt of the earth. Hey, your houses are shit too, right? Look at this house. Real but shit the, house. Real, a real <laughs> shit house. Um, the joke for the cold open is, you know, inconsequential. Uh, the first real scene of the episode is in a, a restaurant called Nemo's Pizza. Uh, yes. It's a Nemo's at night scene where um, Ray and Deborah are out on what seems to be a double date with uh, people, a couple they appear to hate uh, and not to like <laughs> at all. They are named Bernie and Linda, and I, for a second I could not remember who this character actor was, and then it like, hit me, he's from Heavyweights. Yeah, he plays Pat Finley. Yeah, so he's... And, I guess um, it's not that distant of a role, but this like leisure suit that he's wearing with like the Hawaiian undershirt is... Really something for a Long yeah. Island pizza place on, like, a Tuesday. Yeah, he looks like he sells timeshares or something at some like, he terrible like resort. He's occupying a timeshare at this moment. He's not in the right place. And then who's the woman, the character actor who plays his, like, n- you know, new wife in the scene? She's, um, she was a George girlfriend on Seinfeld. Yes. Was she I the think... one with, um, what was her thing in Seinfeld? I think it's, I think she's from, like, one of the really early ones, um... Um, George is worried he got her pregnant. Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's her. Yeah. But so anyway, so two, how, like, how the really mighty have the fallen, top. you could say. Well, it had to be in pretty close proximity. Yeah, it could have been the same year. It could have, yeah. But uh, just one thing I'll mention is um, there was a new intro on this episode. Oh, the music. Yeah, with the conveyor belts, with Ray's family coming in the background. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah, so Ray's raking leaves in front of his house, and behind him on the conveyor belts, um, I don't have the order written down. I swear, I swear this is not on the Amazon Prime show. 
they might have cut it out then. But they're already, yeah, like cha- they're already changing the intro on episode two, which is never a good sign. No, but never a good sign. They decided to do that, and they also threw that jazzy piano in left and right in episode two. It's all over the episode. Uh, yeah. The dun, 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 dun. It's like everywhere. And there's even a sad version of it later. Yes. Um, With the the brush drums and stuff. So anyway, the Nemo's pizza scene is about how uh, their, their, you know, air quotes friends are like a recently married, passionate couple who can't keep their hands off each other at the pizza place where they're (laughs) drinking very watery wine, I think. And there's a picture of the Pope that they make a lot of jokes about. Yeah. Um, and that Ray is unaffectionate, and he never has, you know, demonstrates his, you know, feelings for Deborah ever, and she's the uh, neglected uh, wife, and she's jealous of the the spark that the other couple has, even though they're they're disgusting, they're, yeah, they're it's incredibly Ray, gross. Yeah, Ray is in the right on this one because they're at this. They, it it might be the same joint that he went to with Leo. But then why would they be back? Because he said the pizza was bad. That's true. That raises a lot of questions. But, I mean, if I had a wife and I went is. to a pizza place with my schlubby, disgusting friend who bullies me, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make out with her there. I'd have some very so, bad associations. Ray, Ray is clearly in the right here, that they are gross. He insults them with abandon. He makes a fat joke. Um, yeah. But even despite the fat joke, Ray remains the relatable, sympathetic one in the scene, which, you know, off to a good start so far for everybody who loves Raymond. Then uh, – Back home, we are treated to some Marlon Brando impressions from uh, Peter Boyle and the daughter. Honestly, I didn't think they were bad. I thought they were pretty good impressions. Yeah, uh, Frank actually wasn't too bad at it. And here they're they're hitting the jazz over and over. It's like every beat in the scene has a little bit of Raymond jazz. Um, Marie is this time like actively snooping around the house, like going through drawers and looking for dirt. And uh, we see, and Robert is naked. He's in a towel coming out of their shower. He, he broke um, the shower. Yeah, he breaks their shower. Um, you know, the father, Peter, is uh, – Frank is uh, not all that bad, just teaching Allie some quotes from Streetcar Named Desire. And uh, not much happens except, you know, Ray and Marie – Ray and Deborah come in and like, oh, my God, look at my family. They're doing their kooky stuff again. Yeah, uh, definitely, um, definitely one of the least of Frank's transgressions. No, it seemed he seemed like a lovable older gentleman here. Yeah. I won't go that far. Maybe I don't know. That seems a lot. But the uh, then they go up to the bedroom. They kick out the family. It's the you know the classic sitcom staging of like we need to have a conversation. People don't talk to each other. Let's put it. It's the end of the night. They're in the bedroom. They have to talk about it. It's like such a giffy. But they. Uh, I noticed that Ray is now covering the Mets when he was covering the Yankees in the pilot. And uh, his humor is a lot more caustic in this scene. And he accuses his friends of just being drunks loudly over and over. He's like, they're drunks. They're drunks. The guns are unholstered for Ray in this episode. He seems to really hate these people. He's still quite whiny and he has that terrible voice. But uh, Ray seems to have discovered a little bit of self-worth. Yeah, he also... uh, Seems infuriated to be told that he should be more like um, Fat Bernie <laughs> for to use Ray's crazy Bernie. Well, this is when we get the sad jazz when Ray like misinterprets Deborah's feelings. 
And they do a classic like, I usually know when I'm the problem. Sad jazz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the next morning he gets a greeting card. He's going to have some things this episode. Yeah, so he thinks he's going to make everything better by going to get, you know, a Hallmark card. Um, unclear, I don't know what your thought. Did he write the poem that's in the card, or was she reading the Hallmark text? She was reading the text. Ray's, Ray's not writing a poem. Well, so I only said that because there was a reference to he should be writing poetry, spoken by Marie earlier in the episode. Oh, yeah, I think this, just because she doesn't understand sports, you know? And she probably likes the poetry of, like, actually, I can't even say, I was going to say, like, John Donne or something. I'm starting to think No, it's, it's like the, the, the poetry that would appear on, like, you know, um, like a crocheted pillow, like some stitching. Yeah, like bless home the, is where this the mess, family... that rhyme scheme. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, so anyway, Ray gets a card. Deborah's, uh, she's not upset. She's just, you know, it's, it's a stupid card. It, it's fine. She's a and, bit dismissive. Uh, a and dismissive. when Ray tries to, you know, he's not, he's, he's unsatisfied because this didn't solve all of his problems and, uh, put him back in Deborah's good graces, which, you know, debatable, has he ever been there? But he ends up saying, uh, you know, Two things of note. That's the way I am in, like, a really um, sort of dismissive and almost derisive way that, like, don't try to change me. And then he does the first bellowed, Deborah, <laughs> as Deborah. she runs away. No. I, yeah, so we get the first, like, which, was that supposed to match Frank and Allie saying Stella? Earlier in the episode, because it's tagged here again. Is that oh, how I, how this trope came to be? You know, that's funny. I didn't even think of that. I I want to say that's giving them too much credit. I think it's actually part of the writing here. Yeah, I, I'd actually be impressed if that. They the they in the you know two couple scenes ago, Stella. I mean, they do the Stella line, Frank and the daughter, and yeah. then. When Ray goes like, Deborah, Allie follows it up with Stella. So I feel like it was intentional. You might be right about that. But so I, feel then, like, I feel like part of it as well, though, is just, you know, some of the producers are like, oh, Ray's got that funny voice. Make sure you have him yell in a lot of scenes. Maybe they're like, you know who else had a funny voice? Marlon Brando. <laughs> Ray, you can do that, right? <laughs> Ray, you can do Marlon Brando, right? Yeah, so I mean, we get the first the first Deborah, which apparently it, it really elevates it. This is a, a much higher institution than we thought it was. Um, and not to not to spend too much time on uh, on this, but then Frank is repairing their bathroom, the one that Robert broke by apparently ripping the shower fixture out of the wall. That was uh, something he did. Yeah, I think there's there's another joke later on about Robert being basically like um, Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Not yeah, track, but anyway. the, the the remember the cat scene. Yeah, yeah. Robert wasn't allowed to pet the cat because he might kill it. Was the implication? What do you think Robert's IQ was supposed to be? It it shifts. Episodes? It's shifting. He's definitely supposed to be like you know their special child who they have to take care of, who's also a police sergeant. Because <laughs> <laughs> he yeah he he doesn't know his own strength. He's ripping bathroom fixtures out of the wall. He apparently. You know, seriously injured a family cat years ago, 
head is like dramatized by it. <laughs> but uh, so this is the scene though. Frank repairing Ray's shower that I highlighted as is this the worst scene yet or the what they thought of as the best scene so far? Oh, you mean like Ray uh, Frank saying crap and stuff and well that stuff and then like first you got you got to hold this one and then turn the other one and then it's gonna come out hot but you got to oh. save that water. Yeah, he he. By fixing it, he he broke it even more, which is you know hysterical. One of the all-time great jokes. That's 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 unexpected. But I think that they intended this to be like a, a marquee scene for Peter Boyle. Like you know, show them your comic chops here on this one. Some some verbal play, some slapstick, fixing a bathroom. Classic. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's supposed to be like relatable too. Like. Oh, my dad's just like that. He tried to fix the sink one time. and Yeah, you're definitely sink. supposed to be in Raymond's shoes here. Yeah. But he, uh, so he can't fix it. And uh, this is where the, the, you know, the subject, of, the title of the episode gets gets its worth, gets its due. Yes. Uh, Raymond wants to know why they didn't say I love you all that much in their family and why they don't say it now. Um, another scene that's like, would this confrontation ever really take place it does not seem to be part of the slice of life side of the show to me yeah and frank reacts like quite angrily there's no sentimentality whatsoever yeah he uh he says that uh when deborah says it it's an act (laughs) (laughs) can't possibly love raymond uh which is you know to the contrary of the show's title this is like where it really earns its medal (laughs) The title. Well, it's it's so layered. You it's must have it. faith in the title when Frank is going to like test your faith here. Does anybody really love Raymond? Frank is tempting you in the desert. You have to <laughs> stay to stay strong. He's uh, and then Marie comes in and they're gonna like you know have it out between the two of them. Why don't anyone say I love you? And this I think it gets pretty dark. They they seem like it really you know cracks a fissure in their marriage and things might not ever recover after this scene that Raymond inadvertently it's it's just this uncomfortable scene like Marie has a sandwich that she throws into the sink There's a which lot was of, tastefully uh, like wrapped those. in plastic so that the sandwich is still fine I noticed yeah I'm surprised there wasn't a scene of uh, Frank eating the sandwich later or something yeah or just I mean even in the scene itself with the sandwich splattering the lunch meats everywhere like they meticulously wrapped it so that it would be okay after everything somebody was actually eating that sandwich is what i got the impression that it was not a throwaway it was not a prop it's probably philip rosenthal's this phil rosie phil's you know on set lunch for that day <laughs> rosie phil yeah you know like rosie fingered don he's a uh, you know homeric character <laughs> of homeric stature <laughs> The uh, anyway, so then you get nude babies after this. Uh, you know, Deborah's giving the kids a bath in the sink, and Ray picks them up, and you get some butt humor and yeah, gratuitous ass shots. Really gratuitous I, to the point where I'm pretty sure that there were actual genitals exposed in the show. How many writers on this show do you think were pedophiles? Because if besides we cross- Phil and Ray, because <laughs> if we cross reference it with last episode one. Uh, Frank was sucking on the babies. Sucking the youth out of the babies. Yeah, Yeah, which is obviously a euphemism. Which was immediately followed up by a cutaway to Raymond going, good old sex. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like a very, it's a graphic show. It's it's disgusting. (laughs) Up and down. 
It is for the pizza place, and they're uh, defiling the image of the Pope. Yeah, I, I get the impression you know, after two episodes that, yeah, that, that the, uh, the, the impression I get is that Raymond is very, like, perspicacious and, and, you know, has his scruples and does not like, not just, like, showing affection, but, like, the human body or sexuality at all. It's, like, always played for disgust on the show. It's never... Oh, embraced or like treated as neutral. It's just like always like, oh, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, which again is he's like a twelve year old. He is. There's a lot of things wrong with this show. So anyway, it wraps itself up with the whole family is saying I love you to each other, and they you know make the very funny realization that it was better before we all showed our feelings. Uh, we should repress them again, put them you know stuff them back in, cork them up. A very uh, uh, a very good message. Yeah, and then uh, I, I did actually enjoy personally that when when Ray does say "I love you" to Deborah at the end, she just laughs in his face and agrees that you are a moron, and I, it is funny when you say that. So don't bother. I don't. I I was um I was quite aghast. Deborah Were is you? this Deborah is this unfeeling harpy. Oh, she just shits on him. He's like, yeah, you, you were right. You are not someone capable of, you know, romantic feeling. But think about it. It's, it probably took Ray a lot to muster up his feelings and be sincere with Deborah. Oh, I think that was the joke. And that's the point where I'm like, who's who really loves Raymond here? <laughs> that I can't find, find. Show me someone who loves Raymond. <laughs> anybody. Does anybody love Raymond? I mean, this is the this is the grand test of the podcast, right? How ironic is that title? Who loves Raymond? And if no one does, is there any hope that someone can? How to love Raymond? How to love Raymond? Can Raymond love anybody besides himself? There are to there love, are many things to resolve. To love Raymond. To Raymond with love. So okay, this episode closes up with you know more hot jazz and um, the tag based on the comedy of Ray Romano, which we already talked about a little bit. All right, so next time we'll be here. We're going to probably speed up our recaps a little bit to accommodate a, a third episode and a third voice who uh, is yet to be named. But if you are somehow uh, led to this episode and you manage to reach this point, that's what you have to look forward to uh, in the continuing saga of understanding the love that is due to Raymond. Basking in the love of Raymond's. And yeah, we'll we'll tighten up the summaries. This is um, sort of just to feel things out. But the format will roughly follow what we've been doing here. Yeah, the thing is that it's not a funny show. So we have a lot of, you know, the work is on us. And so it's, you know, a thankless job. Uh, but we'll do it. We're like, you know, we're the Doris Roberts and Peter Boyle. We're coming we're over in. to check on the show. Yeah, like, well, we'll fix the smell in the fridge. We'll clean up. We'll we'll punch it up a bit. We'll go through your lingerie and. I'll break a knife in your desk lock. Listen to your personal to messages. What was she trying to get? Like his tax returns? Like what does she want to know? Maybe she was trying to find out what like lingerie he likes, so, so she, she could like <laughs> she could come in. She could wear it for Robert. <laughs> no, for Robert. Yeah, maybe that's why they keep. He's like a, he's a cat.